Hi everyone, this is Kim C, and you're listening to The Year of Underrated Stephen King, a podcast that examines the lesser-known novels of Stephen King and digs up the fiction gold found within. So today, I want to bring to the table a new installment to the podcast, as I feel it's going to be necessary as we go forward, the more stories we read, etc., something I'd like like to call Catharsis Corner. So um, what I'm basically bringing you today is my heavy heart and my book hangover. I am newly finished with reading the epically long over 1,000 pages under the dome and I'm having a really difficult time shaking off a few things, namely the end of Jim Rennie or Jim Rennie in general as well as the ending of Under the Dome. So I think I need to sort of work through it and get some stuff off my chest and maybe talk with you guys about some of my thoughts, maybe hopefully hear from you on if some of these issues in the novel impacted you the same. So um, I'm going to talk a little bit about Jim Rennie, um, a little bit about the ending of Under the Dome. I'm going to delicately tiptoe around these, so if you haven't read Under the Dome yet, or if you haven't listened to episodes three and four, you can kind of hold off. I'm not going to give super duper concrete um, black and white, here's what went down. I'll try and be as ambiguous as I can because I don't like spoilers either, but I am going to touch on it a little bit because I definitely want to feel better, and that's what this post is. It's a little bit of book therapy today, so join me as I talk about my epically strong hate and the inner sadist that was activated by reading about Jim Rennie. So after I finished the book, it took me about a month and I started uh, right into the short story collection, Everything's Eventual. I started into other stories and in the back of my mind, there's Jim Rennie. I felt like a little oyster and I just got some sand in the shell and I'm just churning and churning and churning and only this time it's not going to be a pearl, it's just going to be misery. So. I need to vent with you guys and let all the steam out. So uh, for those who read the novel, Jim Rennie is the epic villain in Under the Dome. He is alive and enduring and spreading his evil and menace for over a thousand pages, my friend. Uh, Stephen King allows him to endure as all evil does for a really, really long time. And when he does have his ultimate moments on the page, it's moderately satisfying, but I feel not enough to where I can let it go, obviously. Um, But it very closely reminds me to how I felt when I watched um, the last episode of Game of Thrones on HBO. So uh, hopefully you guys have watched Game of Thrones. I do feel it's pretty culturally essential at this point. Um, I know that uh, George R. R. Martin's Song of Ice and Fire hasn't yet 
is not in sync with where the show has gone, but the character of Cersei Lannister, this is just a mild tangent, but she is, to put it lightly, an evil queen. Evil and really very cunning and manipulative and extremely destructive against any enemy of hers. And so over several seasons, she just laid waste to good people and caused a lot of pain and suffering and in the very last episode is when we see her final moments and it's pretty tame if you ask me. I think the tame nature of it was mostly in service due to a different character who was much beloved, Mr. Jamie Lannister. That's just my thoughts there. However, I just really was unsatisfied by her final exit. I felt she deserved worse, which I think this book hangover is really puzzling to me because I, I don't consider myself a violent person, but I maybe am, I don't know. There's some sort of reading about suffering and villainy and this person on the page who keeps slithering away and keeps... Um, you know, maintaining this glorious standing in the public eye, and then you as the reader know what garbage they are. It, it just drives you to this caveman zone of thought where it's like eye for an eye. You are bad. I must destroy you. You are the worst. Like, you must die and suffer immensely in that process. So, I think it's an interesting, <laughs> perhaps another episode to examine our own personal psychologies when we're reading about villainy and suffering. But um, looking at Jim Rennie, um, I wish that if, if I was invited into the little room where Stephen King and perhaps his editors were consulting, I would have put the suggestion forth that Jim Rennie rather than go out the way he did, would have been publicly stoned to death. <laughs> I know that's grim and a graphic. However, dear listeners, uh, sorry, not sorry. I regret nothing. I regret not one word of that sentence because I vehemently, passionately uh, loathed Mr. Rennie. And felt that although the ending he did receive got the Stephen King treatment in spookiness and maybe the suffering is going to be more eternal, um, which is good. However, I'm here in the now and I wanted him to suffer now. Um, and I think a public stoning would have been fantastic. I think that you know the his the people who he had wronged and harmed and hurt could have been the actual stone throwers and they didn't even have to be stones it could be some of the rubble of Chester's Mill the town as it was kind of falling into destruction it would have been epic and public and humiliating and shocking and he was the character he was just so arrogant and so confident and just this smarmy peacock of a guy and uh, it would have been awesome it would have been like the ultimate intensely shocking 
and just to to imagine like the surprise and the shock of seeing people who he thought was in his corner turn on him and oh man it would have been awesome i am so for pro public stoning of jim rennie so it got me thinking about uh the nature of jim rennie as a villain um I was kind of breaking it apart and realizing he is 100% irredeemable. And in fiction, they teach us that when you are creating a villain, you never ever want to make them too evil. You want to have a little bit of complexity in there. Um, for example, uh, a good example of that would be Tony Soprano from The Sopranos on HBO. Uh, so Tony's a really bad guy. He is a gangster and a murderer and all kinds of stuff. He does a lot of bad things. However, as the viewer, we got to see so much more of other than that. We see that he's a son and trying to be a good spouse and he's a dad and he's a brother and he's also very psychologically vulnerable because we see him with his therapist. So there's a lot there's a lot as the viewer that you get to take into account before judging tony and i think that's what makes a good character um another good example i was thinking about is um breaking bad the television show on amc which is absolutely tv gold highly recommend uh there's a villain in the show in the later seasons named gus frain and he's pretty cold and calculating and sinister but later on, we kind of find out, minor spoiler up ahead, he lost someone very dear to him in a very violent way, right in front of his eyes actually. So he is kind of in a state of loss and shock and I think is warped a little by that loss and stepping into a catch-22 of this drug world of this cartel and realizing well if I have to be bad I'm gonna be the biggest bad I can be the baddest bad I could be and I'll be on that throne and so again we kind of take that into account when we judge Gus Frain, even though, again, he's doing horrific things to people. So I think what might be missing, what's causing so much personal hatred in me and sadism is Jim Rennie is 100%, there's nothing good about him at all. Like, nothing. I searched, I looked, I sort of sifted through, I there's nothing. That he is 100% rotten. He is a rotten, rotten, rotten egg. And which is interesting because his son, Junior Rennie, who I also talked a little bit about in episode three and four, is also a garbage person. He is terrible. He's even more creepy because he's a serial killer and super creep show, but yet we're made aware that he has an inoperable brain tumor in at the in the story and he doesn't know about it and it's sort of morphing him and warping him and so when he's doing crazy gross violent things I'm taking into account what I know in regards to that brain tumor it doesn't excuse it but it just offers it expands the frame a bit more and with Jim Rennie I don't think we have that I think we have just this tunnel vision of you are 100% a bad guy you are awful and I think 
Granted, I haven't extensively read through Stephen King's catalog. I've been cherry picking my way along to read everything. A little bit in the 70s, a little bit in the 80s, a little bit in the 90s, and then mostly focusing in the 2000s, um, mostly because I adore the short story collections. But I've noticed that for villains in the Stephen King universe, we either have the literal devil, like the devil, or a demon. And so there's really no guesswork for the reader because they're 100% bad. It's like nothing good about you whatsoever. You just need to be destroyed. And I think there's good and bad to that in the classic sense. It's very much like um, that just classic good versus evil. Like there are, there is pure evil and there is good and one must triumph and good must prevail. And so it's, it's easy for the reader to just have that black and white. But there's also maybe, uh, I don't know, if you don't, if we don't get that certain payoff of evil truly being vanquished, it just festers a little bit. I feel I have a slight bit of festering going on with Jim Runney. It just, you know, he, he ended up dying alone and which is I guess a little bit of a punishment in itself but it, I just wish that his reputation would have been tarnished. I wish that the consequences just would have balanced out. I don't feel they did in the grand scheme of everything that he did which is really puzzling because I'm really wondering like what is wrong with you Kim C that you <laughs> And I, the only thing I can think of, aside from asking my therapist, is I think I am really triggered by arrogance um, in everybody, um, but m much more in villains. There's something about arrogance that isn't my favorite. It sort of um, ruffles my feathers personally, and Jim Rennie is as arrogant as they get, just dripping in it and unashamedly so you know the most the least humble person ever and he's such a fool for it and he's such a menace because of it so there's that but I, I guess I'm wishing that we may have had either a deeper, more satisfying payoff for someone as strongly evil as Jim Rennie, Jim Rennie who's 100% irredeemable, or um, we, we should have had more of a dynamic character creation or character details surrounding him. Uh, if, if I would have had something to balance it out, like, I don't know, maybe he's really passionate about animals, or one kind good thing, one selfless act that would benefit, just something to balance it out. Like, I need a little bit of sugar in the sauce to just balance it out a skosh. But we don't have that. We don't have that, and therefore, the, the end of Jim Rennie, I just... My inner caveman is not satisfied, and I'm just skulking around wanting blood, and I want that eye for an eye box checked, which is very strange, and I'm wondering, did you guys feel the same? <laughs> or is there just something in me that I, I maybe need to look at under a microscope? Not sure, but I feel there is something to those 
the the comeuppance where the bad guy gets his in the end and the severity of that um i think is something worth investigating and talking about for sure so those are my thoughts on jim rennie oh man guys i just feel like the tension in my shoulders leaving as i speak to you guys (laughs) so this is a sign that i really really needed catharsis corner like super duper needed it so very, very um, appreciative to have you all sharing in this uh, little book therapy session. So the other thing I wanted to take a look at was the ending of Under the Dome. I, for the most part, I'm okay with it, mostly because I am tunnel visioning what I like and just trying not to focus on the parts that I just, I don't know, I I guess I'm sort of uh, turning a blind eye to it because I feel it's easy to do given the fact that after 1100 pages people are you know taking a pee on the book because of two to three pages of of strangeness and so I kind of wish that wasn't the case but um, I'm wishing that if I were able to assist Mr. King or provide suggestion, I was thinking about the uh, Simpsons movie that was released a couple years ago where the city of Springfield gets a dome around them by the Environmental Protection Agency and it's pretty funny, but baby Maggie's sandbox in the backyard has a little sinkhole and that's how the Simpson family is able to escape and I wish not necessarily for a sinkhole but escape would have been a theme he could have explored more in Under the Dome. Granted we didn't have a lot of time it was only a week of time under the dome but if there could have been some sort of perspective where there was like an outside team who found like a drill or some sort of cave or tunnel or there was a crack in the dome that only that nobody found until the last minute and something to where our heroes could have focused on getting out I think would have been cool even if it ended tragically I don't even think we would have needed a happy ending Um, You know, I think a tragic ending would have been more digestible and acceptable than the extraterrestrial connection we have. I was okay that it was an extraterrestrial thing. I was okay with that. I embraced the chaos. It was fine. But what's difficult to swallow is just the whole rationalizing with said extraterrestrial that's the tricky part i think uh, you know readers are able to suspend disbelief and just suspend their reality their expectations but it's the it's what followed with sort of communicating with the extraterrestrials i don't feel i feel leaves a lot of people dissatisfied and very confused but i feel if we would have had a little bit more escape or just the notion of it, it it could definitely have just been um, a red herring or something where just some sort of carrot dangling there that we could have pursued and maybe had a little bit of hope like oh there's this there's a drill and they're they're getting close and they, they just have a few more feet to go something like that to to where the author isn't or pardon me the reader isn't necessarily focused on the ending but you know, um, just 
the pursuit of trying to escape, the hope, the hope of trying to escape, I think would have been um, sitting better, sitting sitting better with, with readers because it's really unfortunate that Under the Dome, many readers are, you know, 600 pages in, they're getting frustrated and then they Google stuff and then they just throw the book across the room or close it and put it back on the shelf and and that's sad that's that's something that you never want to hear and so my suggestion is is to to keep going and to not let the two to three pages um and toward the very end sort of color this very unique journey so those are my five cents on that I do feel a little bit better about it for sure. I just, I think if there's just a crack in the dome somewhere or something underground or if there was a team on the outside, some sort of brilliant scientist that was like, I know, I don't know. I think <laughs> there, there could have been some cool stuff. Steve is the master. He could have done that and I think we needed more of, more of a carrot. However, so those are... That's just sort of my me um, venting. However, one thing that I love about collaborative venting is I may, whenever I sort of decide that I have the right answer, I love hearing from other people who are more logical than myself because then they remind me, yeah, but you forgot that in chapter four this happened in XYZ, and then I'm like, oh yeah, logic, I forgot about logic, <laughs> which is why we left brain and right brain creatures have to come together and help each other. So I would absolutely adore hearing from you guys. Uh, please email me at underratedsk at gmail.com. These books, um, as we go on, as I've mentioned um, in other episodes, they're always, always open and available for reinvestigation, for rediscussing, for sifting through and digging up, and literary analysis is my favorite thing in the world. I never ever tire of investigating the text and learning more things, especially when it's Stephen King's stuff, because his stuff is just the richest and tastiest and the most fun to hang out in. So I would love to hear from you in regards to your thoughts on Jim Rennie. Um, maybe it's just my, my hate is a little too personally wrapped up in my own stuff. Um, maybe he wasn't that bad at all. Um, uh, what do you think about a public stoning? Am, am I just, you know, I don't know. Or do you feel that I'm not looking at his actual ending with enough perspective and maybe it is quite terrifying maybe is maybe those last moments really do you know sort of um uh have the hefty weight that we want um because i think there's something to be said for when you're reading and you're powering through and you're in the zone and you're just in your own mind and sometimes we we go over um, aspects of the text a little too quickly and we just go over it too fast and it doesn't get enough time to sort of resonate and um, seep in so that's the great part about sort of reinvestigating it and looking at it I'd also love to hear your thoughts on the end of Under the Dome this one is a fun one I always tell my students that 
One of the great ways of looking at fiction and getting into writing is always having an eye for editing. So always looking at a, a novel or a film or a, anything to where the ending or a character development or something doesn't sit right with you, always ask yourself, what could I do to make it better or stronger? Or what would I do differently to change the narrative to make the outcome more satisfying? And asking yourself those questions is an amazing way to stay active um, and make the the art really work for you. And it also teaches you to avoid those sort of pitfalls in your own work and to constantly be asking yourself, how can I make this stronger? Or what is the outcome for such and such character XYZ? So I think Under the Dome is an amazing novel to, to have that editing conversation as to looking at this as a whole, what would we do differently to where it's more satisfying and catharsis corner might not be needed? So that's my question for all of you. Uh, I would love to hear from you anytime. Uh, it could be months from now. That's totally fine. I'll always want to look at this because Under the Dome is a good one, guys. It's a good one for just analysis in general. It's like the weirdest little art painting and you could just look at it all the time and see something different, see something new. So um, let's continue uh, moving forward. I would love to hear from you guys. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this at the beginning. This episode is a re-recording I did. So if you had listened to it already, bless your heart. I appreciate it. I'm still sort of finding my footing here with podcast stuff. So I think we're we're on the we're on the right track. But um, I wanted to make sure that everything was sounding good as we move forward. So I hope to hear from you guys soon. Uh, the next episode is going to be an analysis of the short story collection Everything's Eventual. So tune in for that one and please write in if you have any suggestions for the short story collection or the novel that you feel is underrated and you would like us to look at on the podcast. So super appreciate all of you listening. Thank you so much and we will talk to you soon. Take care.